Merry Christmas from Big Bear Christian Center and welcome to Sermon Audio. Join us as we continue this Advent season this morning, looking at the Father's love for us and what that means. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 9. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. It says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. Father, we thank You for the time this morning in worship, and now we thank You for our time in the Word. God, I pray that You would encourage us, strengthen us, bless us, Father. We pray an anointing that would change our lives through the reading of scriptures during this time in the message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are. We're in the second week of the Advent season. The Advent, again, it, it simply means coming. We celebrate this every year. It's the coming of Christ. And 2,000 years ago, God chose that time to send his son into the world, and he came. And we're, as Christians, we're looking forward to the day when he comes again in glory and receives us to himself. And I realized, and that's already gone, which is fine, that it said the fourth week was love. And I don't know, the, the slide got wrong. But a second week of Advent, and this week's theme is love. And we're going to go through four different themes over the next couple weeks. Last week was hope. We have love, talk about joy and peace. And then on Christmas Eve service, which is another time if, um, for you to, do you have a gift to bring? on Christmas Eve service, if there's a, if you sing or play something, we're, we're putting together some of the Christmas songs, and if you'd like to be part of that, please uh, talk to Robert or myself, or, and uh, we're putting that service together so we can bring our gifts, and on that night, we're going to really focus on the Christ child. You know, we, we set up the Christmas tree yesterday, and underneath it, um, of course, there's baby Jesus in a manger, and if you notice, one of the things in there is Santa kneeling down at the manger. And some of you might, might be offended that I in no way ever want to offend anybody. Um, but, you know, St. Nicholas was a real person. And he bowed to Jesus. And that's what it's all about. It's about understanding who the Christ child was. That God sent his son into the world for us. And why did he do that? Because of his love. And when we talk about love this week, we're not just talking about an ordinary love. You know, there's a lot of love. We're not talking about... My in-laws are coming, so I need to love them. You know, we muster up that love for them. We're not, we're not talking about just, just, you know, love between buddies or, or love between a spouse. We're talking about 1 Corinthians type of love. 1 Corinthians where it says love is patient and kind. It's not jealous. It's not envious, boastful. It's not proud. It's not selfish. It's not haughty. How are you doing with your love so far? It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It does not hold grudges. It's not irritable or touchy. It doesn't demand its own way. I'm, have, I'm falling short. I don't know about you, but I'm falling short in this. But this is the love we're talking about, a 1 Corinthians type of love. Um, we're talking about agape love, the love that in, in the Bible they use for the love that God has for his people. You know, the word agape, there's a lot of Greek words for love, and if you speak another language, you know that sometimes there's a lot of, Words even in, in English that we would, ha we would use for trying to express love and might be care or charity or devotion. And we'd use some different, different examples. Well, in the Greek, they had different types of, of words also. And the word agape wasn't used much outside of the Bible, mostly in the Bible, but you find it in some other Greek writings. But when Christ came along, the writers of the Bible, they, glammed, they took that word and said, we're going to make this 
the word that we try to help people understand God's love for us. It was an unconditional love. And so Paul then wrote 1 Corinthians to, to say, this is God's love for us. It's a love that if we read those things, say, I can't do that on my own. It's an amazing love. And that's the reason that God came in to the world was because he loved us. In fact, the, the one verse that, that most people know, Christian and non-Christian, because they've heard it so many times, they see it at football games, they see it everywhere, is what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. When did he give him? He gave him when he, Jesus came into the earth and Jesus walked for 33 years. But why did he do that? Because of the love of God. Not the anger of God, not the wrath of God. See, there was a holiness of God that, that really demanded his wrath. But the love of God sent Jesus in to take away the wrath so that we could all go to heaven. It's amazing. In fact, you know, I think maybe Lenin did have it right. I'm not talking about the Russian Lenin. I'm talking about John Lennon. All we need is love. Or he had it partially right. You know, we need love, we, but we don't need the world's love. See, John Lennon, he had a thing of just, just all, can we all get along? Let's all have peace. Let's all have love. No, we can't. But we can all have God's love. And we can be changed by the love of God. And if we allow God's love to change us, then we'll actually make a real difference in the world. And we'll have love. We're talking not about a simple love, being nice to one another. We're talking about that deep agape love, the love that God has towards his children. And so we can't understand what love is without, talk, without talking about the love of the Father this morning. I want to read, I'm going to read a long series of passages because I couldn't pick any scriptures out that I just wanted to highlight. Because the message this morning, it's, going to, it's a three-point part message. This morning is found in the scriptures here of 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read from 7 all the way into, into uh, um, chapter 5 a little bit. So bear with me. But I'll try to read. I'll get on my reading voice so it doesn't get real boring. Um, 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read out of the NIV. Starting in verse 7. And we're going to listen for a theme here. Obviously, there's a theme, but then we're going to look for all the underlying parts as we're listening to this. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, 
But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Chapter 5, just a couple of verses in 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Wow. We need to slow down the bus sometimes and really go through the scriptures and read them and think about each part. And I wanted to stop about 10 times just in that reading and just start expounding and talking about sections. And that's how we should do our Bible studies at home. If this is your only Bible reading for the week, we're in trouble. You know, we need to be reading the Bible and slowing down and asking, well, what does that mean? And thinking about these things. You know, so we hear in this section, all about John's writing all about the love of God. And the, the book of 1 John was written towards the end of his life. He was the only disciple who wasn't martyred for his faith. But he was imprisoned and he was put on exile on an island called Patmos. And he, he grew old on this island. And we don't know how old he was, but we, we believe he was, was getting up, up in age. And if you've lived any length of time in your life, you know that as you get older, your priorities start changing. Your ideologies start changing. You, you, you just everything begins to change a little bit in, in form. When you're young, you try to solve all the world's problems quickly. And as you get older, you begin to simplify things. John was at this point in his life where everything came down to, I think, the same answer. Love. People probably came up to him and says, you know, John, you know, what should I do? I'm, I'm really having a hard time with my boss at work. You know, and he's just making me work too hard. And, and John, I think, would say, say, just love him. Hey, John, what, what do you think I should do? My wife and I, you know, we're, we're really having a struggle. She wants to buy a new car, and I don't think we can afford it. What should I do? John, you're the, he said, just love her. Start with love. Everything was simplified down at the end of his life. It's all about loving one another. But he also says you can't love one another without loving God. But he also said, if you read it, that there's another thing in here. You can't love God unless you understand that he loves you. In there, if you read this and don't understand God, you could say that this was a lie. Because it says you cannot love somebody unless God the Father is living in you. And I would say, boy, I've known some really loving people in life that weren't Christians. They didn't have the love of God in them. They were just nice people who really seemed like they loved people. So is the Bible a lie? No, we're talking about a deeper love, an unconditional love, a love that can only come from God that is deeper and way beyond what we even understand is love. Now, I, I think of myself as a kind of a loving person, and I love receiving love, and I love giving love. And if I am not still understanding the depth of the love that God has and the depth of the love that God wants me to have for others, I get excited because love is wonderful. Love feels great, and if there is something even deeper 
because maybe I'm not letting everything of God inside of me, then I, I don't want to hold back. I want to start understanding this love thing that God's talking about, that John's talking about right here, that we can't love one another without the love of God. Well, you know, I thought I've been a loving person. What is he talking about? No, there's more. I can't love the way God wants me to, the God, way God designed me to, outside of knowing his love in my life. We think of the term love. I, I don't know about you. I should, I should always lump us in together, but I know that many people I've talked to, including myself in the past, have looked at the word love and think, yeah, you know, the God of the New Testament is the God of love. The God of the Old Testament is the God of anger and wrath. And so we're like, I'll take the New Testament God. You know, does that kind of bear witness to sometimes how we think? We're like, yeah, man, what was all that killing and smiting of the past? You know, I just want the New Testament God. Well, see, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we need to go, well, well God, where was the love thing? Well, it was all through there. He loved us so much. Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, in, in chapter 31, God speaks to him and speaks to us this morning from the Old Testament. In the midst of prophecies, now you think about the prophets, they were the doom and gloom guys. They would come in and announce judgment, and this is what's going to happen, and all these bad things. And yet in Jeremiah chapter 31, he says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. God loves his people. He always has. He's loved them so much that he didn't want them to walk off into idolatry. He didn't want them to, to get lost into all the things that the world had to offer. And he was a jealous God. He wasn't jealous of the people. He was jealous for them, saying, listen, if you go over there, your heart is going to be divided. And I'm telling you, that is not what I have for you. And so his wrath was poured out to bring them back because he loved them so much. In the New Testament, in 1 John chapter 3, just the chapter before we were living, uh, where we were reading a minute ago, it says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. And I today go, that's me. I know that God has lavished his love upon me. You know, I, I wish I could say every morning I wake up and I just feel the love of God. That, that's not true. But when I get my wits about me and I look, I say, oh, my goodness, how great the Father's love for me. I don't feel it every moment, but I see it every day. When I, when I say, God, help me to see it, I see it. He's lavished his love upon me. He's called me, as the scriptures say, he's called us children of God. He loved us so much that he adopted us as his children. You know, we're all sitting in that orphanage, pretty tattered and God comes to the orphanage and says, I love you, Kenny. I love you, Bob. I love you, Sue. And I'm going to adopt you, and I'm going to call you my child. And we think, what did we really have to offer God? What did we have to offer? We had nothing to offer God. It was, we might think, we'd like to think that maybe we do, and some of us act like we do. Well, I'm going to give something really good to God. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to make something. I'm going to do, and I'm going to give him this great thing. Well, here's a newsflash. We don't have anything great to offer God. You know, we really don't. I love my kids to death, to the end. And they, over the years, have brought me gifts. 
and they have drawn these wonderful little drawings. And they said, here, Daddy, this is for you. And they were just mad. <laughs> yeah, you are all going to say, oh, right. Come on. Come on. They're horrible. Can I sell them on eBay for any money? Are they going to win a prize? And yet I love them. My wife will tell you I cry when I get those things. You know, when they come up and I go, wow, is my head really that lopsided? <laughs> you know, I got one leg sticking like this. And yet I love those pictures. They have nothing to offer me that's of any value. But everything they are is so valuable to me. And everything they give me is valuable because I love them. Not because there's any real value. You know, they, you ever have your kids try to help you on a project? Oh, help us. Daddy, can I help? Okay. Why? Because it's going to take twice as long. And, and when they leave, you're going to probably have to redo it. And here, here's a hint, parents. If you're still raising little kids and they're helping with a project, I know you're going to have to redo it. Wait till they're gone. You know, this is really, wait till they're gone and don't tell them you had to redo it. What value are they bringing you? This is us. We're not really bringing God any value. We don't have anything good to offer him, but he loved us, and so we love him back, and he is so pleased with us. How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us that he might call us children of God. That's amazing, and he loves us, but we don't have much to bring him, and we just need to receive that. That, oh my goodness, God doesn't love me because I do something so well. You know, Robert, God doesn't love you because you play keyboard so nicely. Why do you love me, God? You know, the, the answer could be, that's a great question. And he'd say, I love you because you're my child. And I put a deposit of myself inside of you. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I love you because I love you. And I'll never, ever stop loving you. We need to understand the love of the Father. And at Christmas, we really do. One of the things that can happen during this season is in the giving of presents is that we can get not just get lost in the commercialism and that's bad enough but we can actually get lost in thinking that if we give the right gift somebody's going to love us more or if we don't give them the right gift they're not going to think that we love them boy let's not ever get lost into that that's not what it's about it should just be that that saying this this gift can't even compare to how much i love you but i wanted to at least show you a you know, a little something, and I, just, I want to bless you. 
So God's love for us is shown through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And so because of his love for us, from the beginning of time when we fell in the Garden of Eden, and I, I heard this this morning, it was really funny. It wasn't the apple, it was the pear. Yeah, those of you who don't get it, ask me later. From the beginning when we fell, God says, I've got a plan, and I'm going to redeem this. And he waited. And I don't know why, I really don't know why he waited so long, but he waited thousands of years. And he loved his people during that time, and there was in and out, and the people went into captivity, his chosen people were in captivity, and he waited past that, and 400 years of silence where the prophets weren't speaking, and he waited until Galatians chapter 4 says he waited until the time had fully come. Galatians chapter 4 says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. He waited and he says, the time is ripe. I've declared all these things. I've loved you. I've showed my love to you. He even began to send his prophets 700 years before Jesus and declared how Jesus would be born. He declared and he said, listen, I'm going to tell you that the Savior is going to come. He's going to be born of a virgin. The Savior has come. The Messiah is going to come. And he's going to be of Bethlehem. When the Messiah comes, there'll be great weeping like has never heard, and we know that was fulfilled when Herod had all the babies killed. 700 years before Jesus came, God put it all down so that when it happened, they would say, this is the Messiah. This is him of who he spoke. Why the time had fully come, and he loves us so very, very much. And that's the whole purpose of his coming. Remember, John 3, 16. It all, if it all comes back to there for us, see, we, we quote that verse in our sleep. It's just so there, but God so loved the world. That's why he came. That whoever, I'm part of that whosoever. As Robert said this morning, we're all part of the whosoever. Whoever believes shouldn't perish. But you know, he loves those that don't believe because they're part of the world. He loved us all so much. And that is the whole base of, of everything we do as Christians, we've got to get this part down. He loves us. He loves us. And I said there was a three-point message in here, and I haven't gotten to any of them. But we had to build this before we get into the next part. And this is the problem that often in the church we don't do. We just talk about the next things. These next three points. And you're going, well, get on with them. We talk about these things before we talk and understand that we can't do anything outside of the love of God. It's all based on that and just that fact that He loves us. So what did we see in, in 1 John 4? One of the things it didn't say real strongly, but it's in there, is that we have to love God. We have to love God. The great Shema, in, in Jewish people memorize the great Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we, we know, you might not know that that's what it's called, the Great Shema. But Jews still today, they recite it multiple times a day and they do different things. But they say, it's, hear, O Israel, 
the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. The great Shema, and it's part of, of a series of, of blessings and prayer, but it starts that in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul and mind. In the New Testament, some of you are about to say strength. Jesus uh, helped us understand in the New Testament that strength was part of that, that whole makeup, our soul, our mind, our heart. And, and he says strength. That's the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's the problem I have with that. You can't tell somebody to love someone with all of their heart. You can't make somebody love someone with all their heart. So what's God talking about? Really? Can you imagine going up to your spouse Love me with all your heart. Huh? Now, you could actually tell somebody, and if they had enough respect or fear of you, you could say, love me with all your strength. In other words, do things for me. Use your forces, use your talents, use your abilities to show that you love me. And that's what we do too often. I'm going to show God that I love him by the things that I do for him. I'm going to show people I love them by the things that I do. But he said, not just with your strength, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. How do you do that? You don't, unless you first know that God loves you. We can't love God outside of understanding that he really, really does love us. We can try. We can fake it, we can act like it, we can muster this up, but somewhere along the line we have to really begin to understand, oh God, you really love me and I'm unlovable. Wow. But it's a great revelation. Kids, when you love your kids well, they get it. You know, they, they, they get it. When we do a good job as parents of loving our children, they understand our love, and they want to draw the pictures. And they want to wake up early and try to wash the dishes. And they want to bring you the little breakfast in bed. My kids have done all these things for me. And I, I, I hope and pray that they've understood it's because I love them, and they've understood that. And so now they're loving me naturally because they understand my love for them. And my love for them is nothing it's infinitesimal compared to the love that god for ha has for us in psalm 136 it says give thanks to the lord of heaven why for his steadfast love endures forever see we give thanks because of his love it says that we love because he first You know, this is the season to get this once again. And you know what? This is, this is the way I feel like this revelation goes. Oh, I get it. God loves me. Oh, man, I get it. And tomorrow, I go, I didn't get it. But I think I got it now. God loves me. 
and then tomorrow I, I go, I thought I had it, both, but now I, now I think I really got it. And what is it? It's that it's a progressive revelation and understanding of the depths of love. And I think by the time John was ready to die, he was getting it. But let's start today so that our revelation will be that much deeper. Let's start today. God, help me to understand your love. Help me to stop striving and just understand how much you love me. And out of that, we'll begin to love God. And out of that love, we'll begin to love one another. In the first John chapter 4, there was a lot. I mean, a lot in there about loving one another. And that's a scary thought if you look around the room. And you go, I have to love them? Yeah. But we can't love them fully and truly until we have been loved by God. Why? Because when we really understand and look at ourselves for who we are, and we're all posers, but when we put that down and say, this is who I really am, the part that I don't want anyone ever to know about me, and say, God loves that too? You have compassion on the people that are hard to love. You're going to love one another in a deep way because you're understanding the love that God has for you. 1 Corinthians 13 is impossible to do outside of Christ and his love for us. It's not being jealous and envious and it's not self-serving. But as we realize the love that God has for us, he causes our lives to be different and allows us to love one another in an amazing way. And there's going to be times and there are times that even understanding the love of God, you know, we're going to have to go, Love them, love them, love them, love them. But we need to say, why, God, I'm going to be nice. But help me, help me to have a love for them. Help me to tap in the love that you have for me so that I can love them better. We have to Love God, but we can't love God without knowing that he loves us first. We have to love one another, which will be a lot easier when we understand that he first loved us. And the third thing this, this Christmas season and every day of our life that God is calling us to do is to love the lost. Really love the lost, just like God does. God so loved the world. He loves the lost. For us, I don't know, is it love or is it we got to get them saved? It's a task. God, give us a heart for those that don't know you. Give us a heart for those that are, and lost is a wonderful word. It's not a great word if you're the one lost. You go, I don't feel like I'm lost. You ever, ever see somebody walking around and you go, they're lost. You just kind of tell you go up there, hey, do you need help? No. But they're lost. And now some people don't know they're lost. At the, at the end of my, my mom's street, because Pastor Jeff loves this sign because it's spelled wrong. At the end of my mom's street, it's on a yellow 
like a warning sign, it says, you're lost. And it's spelled Y-O-U-R. There's no apostrophe with the E. It's really funny. It says, you're lost. Well, why does it say that? Because if you're on my mom's street and you're not looking for someone, you're lost. Because there's nothing there. It's a dead end and it's just, in the, you know. You ever see someone driving in a place and you just kind of look at them and go, they're lost. <laughs> they don't even know they're lost yet. They, they're following their GPS because GPS is always right. Right? Right? Oh, my goodness. I've had some fun experiences with that. But tell me that I'm lost while I'm following my GPS. No. Lola's telling me how to get there. I need to love the lost, even when they don't know that they're lost. But I'm not talking about be nice to the lost. Make them feel warm and fuzzy. Because sometimes you've got to really help someone who's lost understand, hey, you're lost, and I'm going to help you get there. But you've got to let me help you. See, in the world, in our society today, we have this overarching thing that keeps coming in, you know, and it's, we have to be politically correct. And you have to be nice. We all have to sit around and hold hands and sing kumbaya. That's what love is. That's not what love is. Love is helping people out of their issues and their problems and their addictions, even though they might not want to. It's helping point the way. It's, it's knowing that we have an answer that without, they, without that answer, they will always be lost. And they will die in that state of being lost. And what waits for people that die outside of Christ is not a good thing. We need to really love them and have compassion and care for them enough to, to maybe make some waves in their life. And I don't mean that you, you, you know, cuss at them and tell them how bad they are. So we need to help find them. In 1977, October 1st of 1977, I was six years old, almost seven. My two, bro older brother, two of my older brothers and a friend started out at Night Avenue, and we hiked all the way to the top of Skyline Drive, which is a pretty good hike for a six-year-old. When we got to the top of Skyline Drive, we had done that hike a lot of times. We that we had looked over in previous times down, and we just moved up to the mountains in May of 1977. We looked down over the edge, and we saw little shiny things way down on the other side from Skyline. And my older brothers, I was, I was just the punk who was tagged along with them. They had determined that it must be a city or something down there, and that they were motorhomes and people down there. And so we got the wonderful idea on a cold fall day to hike up and over the mountain. So we got to the top of Skyline, and we went straight down. We weren't on a road. We just cut through the bushes, and we hiked and hiked and hiked. And if you've been up here long enough, you're going to say, that was you. And we got all the way down to wherever we were, and it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon on October 1st. We'd hiked for a lot of hours. None of us had jackets. I had a long sleeve T-shirt. We had four pieces of bologna and a bag of stale potato chips. 
and my, my brother determined that if we tried to go home, we would get lost. We, we kind of thought we knew where we were at. But if we tried to walk, it'd get dark and we would get lost. So we made a little camp and we built a fire and it got down to 30-something de- 30 degrees that night. And boy, man, when, when the noises start coming in the middle of your... The oldest person in our group was 12. 12. So it wasn't like I was hiking with a 19-year-old. Tree falls over in the middle of the night. We think it's a bear. We hear a little crunching through the woods, and we think it's going to come and eat us. It's a pregnant raccoon. The next morning, we wake up. We're cold. We're tired. We barely slept. We find a dirt road. Now I know that road to be Camp Bradford Road. And we knew that we should go up because we had walked down. So we started walking up, went to left. Now, if you've driven that road, I just found where we were, we were at. I just rode my motorcycle and says, this, within about 100 or 200 yards, I'm like, I remember this spot. There's not that many spots on it. If we would have turned right in one mile, we would have been a camp, at a camp. And in three miles, we would have, four miles, we would have been at Seven Oaks. That's how far we were. And we started hiking up the road. And after a couple hours of walking, we see a helicopter traversing. <laughs> see, everybody in San Bernardino County Search and Rescue, they were all looking for four young lost boys in 30-degree weather. And we waved the helicopter, and it came, and, and it found us after we waved it down. And they sent a truck to come pick us up, and, and they gave me a baby Ruth. It was a good baby Ruth. See, we were lost, and we needed to be found. And I'm so glad that people were looking for us to help find us. Because I don't know how many nights we could have lasted out in the wilderness alone. The one night was an adventure. It was a Tuesday night, by the way, because Happy Days was on and I missed it. (laughs) And we actually had an okay time. We laughed, we got scared, we, you know, it wasn't horrible. But another night or two or five or six, we would have died out there of exposure. We needed to be found. But if somebody would have come up to us on that road with a gun and said, hey, you're lost, I wouldn't have gone with them. They would have scared me. And I would have said, no, you seem like a dangerous person. But how did they find me? They came and said, here's a baby room. See, we need to love the lost. And when we find them, we need to say, hey, let me tell you about a different baby. That baby came to this world so you could be found, so you could be saved and help them. We need to really love the lost. We need to love God. We need to love one another. We need to love the lost. But all that's only going to come out of that place that we understand God's love for us. And in this Christmas season, it's a great time to be remembering these things because you're going to be in long lines and you're going to be angry at people and you've got to say, God, why am I angry that i got to wait longer at Kmart today? You saved my soul from hell and you love me so much. And somebody's going to call and say, you have to come to my Christmas dinner and you're going to look at your calendar and it's too busy and you're going to get angry because people are making all these demands upon your time. And you're going to say, God, why am I angry? Baby Jesus came to save me. And you're going to have love. You're going to work. You're going to understand that love. And in this season, it's a wonderful time to remember that it's more than presence. There are people that 
are lost and they're having a good time right now, but they need to be found and we need to love them and help them understand, listen, it's a long way home. You can't get there on your, on your own. I want to show you how to get home. Heavenly Father, Help us to understand your love. Because we know that there's a lost and dying world that needs you, and our love for them is not enough. You need to love through us, and we need to know your love so we can love them with your love. God, in the love that we need to have with one another on a daily basis, God, help us to understand your love so that we can truly love one another. Especially we're talking about the, the household of faith. We may not have anything in common but one. You're our Savior. You're our Father. God, help us to understand your love for us so that we can truly and properly love you. And God, I know that as this revelation increases for each of us, that this season will be an amazing, blessed season understanding and walking in your love. And I pray that it would be a blessed season for those that know us because there'd be something different about us that would shine forth your love and your light to our friends and neighbors, whether they're saved or not. And that those who don't know you would feel the love of God coming through us and be compelled to receive you for themselves. Father, bless us this week with your presence your care and our understanding of who you are in Jesus name amen amen love one another